Good afternoon, everyone. This is Ray with the Real Life Podcast, man. We're coming at you today with a very, very special guest. Um, and before I announce him, I just first want to say thanks to uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, man, and God for, uh, you know, allowing us the privilege to put this podcast together. This is uh, somewhat of the moment that we've been waiting for. This is uh, part of the big reason why we built this studio and started this podcast is for the very reason to encourage not only our viewers, but this is also a big deal today. First off, this is our first conference in Colleen, uh, the Potter's House, and this is uh, a big deal because we actually have special guest Pastor Joe Campbell in the studio with us today, and what a, what a special privilege, what a high honor it is to have one of the leaders of our fellowship in side of this podcast room to to give us uh, some wisdom and just get to know you know our pastor just a little bit more man i am very humbled pastor to have you in the studio truly uh me and uh, uh, uh my colleague my brother over here man we've we've always discussed this day <laughs> we've always said man what if one day we have pastor joe campbell in here like what's gonna happen like what are we even gonna say like uh, like i'm literally sweating in my shirt right now because this is such a big deal for us, and we're, we're so grateful that you agreed to come on and just be a part of, of what God is doing here in, on the podcast, and we're truly grateful to have you on, Pastor, truly. Well, thanks for the invitation. It's always, always a privilege to speak to people, try to help people, and I know you guys are doing a great work. And like you mentioned, the conference has been incredible. Yes. And tonight will be exciting, International Night. Damn. So anything I can do to help anyone listening or watching, it's a, it's God. It's God. Amen. Truly it is. Brother Mark, man, do you have anything to say, brother? Any comments, any thoughts? Um, yeah, just I'm very nervous too, you know. Like people always say, you know, Pastor Campbell's very easygoing, but it's still like just being in the – I guess the church, since I was 12 years old, we always look at, you know, pastors such as yourself as, you know, with high esteem, you know. So it's very, it's an honor to have you here, sir. Thank you. Truly the standard. So, yes, tonight is International Night in uh, in the conference. I'm pretty excited to to hear who's going to be going out. And, uh, man, it's, it's, it's a very exciting time. I believe that God is doing great things right now in this particular season in life. This, you know, we were chosen for such a time as this. And, uh, Pastor, I can't help but look around and know that, you know, even me and you and, and uh, Pastor Rosario, my pastor, and, and you and, and, and you guys were, were, were creating the momentum for us leading all the way up to this point. We are finally a conference church. Uh, uh, how do you feel now coming into, into Colleen knowing that you're actually seeing something come into fruition that you've been waiting for a long time. Like what, what goes on inside of you knowing that we finally made it as a conference church? Yeah. One of the dynamics of the gospel and of the Christian life and ministry should be that you want to see other people surpass you. Uh, you want to see uh, churches, uh, people, ministries, pastors, uh, you want to be able to impart to them that they may go on, like Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. And the joy of seeing congregations like Colleen, I remember when they were in a garage. 
and as well as your pastor and Renee, uh, I remember when they were just kids and seeing the hand of God on their life and seeing them and congregations be faithful to God because it's not easy to get here. Yes, that's true. There's a lot of battles that have been fought. Uh, people have sacrificed financially their time, their life. And to see that and and be a part of it is is beyond description. It's better than winning the NBA, being president, Amen. or owning a company. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Truly, you know, Pastor Greg Mitchell made a statement. He brought a scripture up. Um, uh, he said, you will reap where another man sowed, right? And yeah. uh, truly, man, I'm, I came into the fellowship about three years ago. You know, God led us to the potter's house. Once we got to the potter's house, we knew we were home. We seen the flags hanging for one. And but the what got us the most was the people that pulled us in, inviting us into their homes and and uh, making us feel, uh, you know, loved and welcomed. You know, a, truly a, a, a trademark and, and a true stamp on our fellowship is the, the way we interact with one another and how we treat one another. And, and in, fellowships are such a big thing, you know, and that's one of the main things that pulled us in. But it was such a such a blessing now even coming now to this point you know i realized how it was god's hand the whole time moving us from one place to the other until we finally came to the potter's house and um it, it, it's such a blessing to be a part of this we walked in three years ago and now here we are as a conference church and you said that there were many labors before us lots of pain before us and uh there were many men laboring and toiling and 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 by the grace of god the colleen church is still standing and by the grace of god it's now a, a conference church and just to be a part of that is such a great honor and, and blessing you know and um we're gonna see greater things coming yeah it's uh there's spiritual dynamics and a culture that you create as a congregation or as a pastor or even in your home uh, as a human being. And that culture dictates the values, the priorities of its influence, how you relate to each other. And so our fellowship has a vision. And that vision is to see people saved, born again, to see them begin to mature, develop, discipled, and then eventually to plant churches to go out and plant churches, and then internationally. Well, that's a culture, see, that you inherit. And it's not like you preach on it every service, or it's not like every conversation you have with someone. That's the, the conversation, but it's in the spirit realm. Hmm. And it carries you and inspires you. And, and it's like Paul said, the love of God constrains me. It holds you, and uh, that's what's been created here, see, by people and uh, friendships, loyalties, love, forgiveness, redemption, kindness, correction, commitment. All of those things are a part of the culture, and uh, God honors that, and that's what's taken us. I remember when there was a handful of churches, today some 2,800 churches, and uh, I've had the privilege of seeing that along the way. And it was, uh, of course, Pastor Mitchell's vision, but it was the culture that he created biblically that facilitated 
uh, where you guys are today and where we are as fellowship. When you when you mentioned you know forgiveness and redemption and all these these cultural attributes that you know kind of just uh, uh, encase our fellowship as a whole. You know, I, I struggled with that early on coming into the fellowship. You know, Pastor Rosario, you know, he was a, uh, he, he, he always uh, reminded me, man, we're a really redemptive church. You know what I mean? Like, you're truly accepted. You know, I, I hadn't encountered that in the measure that, that, that I encountered it when I came into the Potter's house. So it was kind of a strange thing for me. Almost, it was almost not real. But it truly was, you know, and uh, it took me a long time. And you can ask Pastor, man, it took me a long time to really just say, you know what? I am accepted here. I am a part of this church. They, the, the, the Pastor does love me. This fellowship has, uh, in, you know, engrafted me into, into the body. And uh, when you say redemptive and, and, and forgiveness and all these things, and that's really true about this church and this fellowship because I am a product of that. Yeah, people have to have acceptance. Mm -hmm. That's one of the dynamics of the human personality. When they come to church, the congregation needs to extend to them, you're accepted just like you are. The second thing they have to have is they have to have dignity. And that's linked many times to I can, there's something I can do for God. There's something that I can contribute. Then it moves from just I'm attending church to this is my church. This is my home. And uh, it could be small. Uh, in our congregation, we have Native American women uh, that if you came into the church, you probably would never speak to them. They're just they're silent. They're quiet. They're, but they do these costumes for the all of our plays. And, oh, they're just thrilled and excited. Well, that gives dignity. The third thing you have to have is hope for the future as a person. And that's what the gospel gives you, hope. And the congregation needs to communicate personally and in conversation and relationship. Uh, yeah, there's hope for you. That's uh, personally, maybe your marriage, maybe financial, maybe emotional, mental. Uh, but it, it's personal, but it's also kingdom purpose. Who knows where God will take you? I mean, I had no clue when I got saved in 1971, no clue that I'd ever be sitting with here, you here all these years, 50 years later. Right. Uh, the, the paths of God, the possibilities of God, if we'll just surrender. Everywhere you surrender, you become powerful. Wherever you rebel and disobey, you're on your own. Yeah. And that can be a mess. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, on that note, you, 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 you wrote the book from uh, um, Deliverance. Deliverance, yes, to, uh, to Dominion. So I'm sorry. So w when I first read the book, I had to read it twice, almost every chapter two or three times, every time I went through it, because, you know, it was, it was at times hard to grasp. Because it's it's a very deep book, in my opinion, dealing with the underlying issues after you get saved, how be, God begins to sanctify you, and how He begins to deal with all these issues, right? Like, um, how how can you, what 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 put it on your heart to really just expound on that subject so profoundly? Uh, dealing with people, 
I can tell you scores of people powerfully delivered. I mean, in a service, the blood of Jesus, the word of God delivered from drugs, uh, delivered from anger, delivered from gangs, uh, delivered from curses, all kinds of deliverance. But as you watch them live for God, it's like, I'll give you an example. I've had people, uh, their home life, they were raised in uh, no father, uh, mother, maybe multiple men in their lives, and their home was totally chaos, screaming, yelling. It was like, you know, Jerry, Jerry. It was just insane. Well, they would get saved and delivered from drugs and things, but when they were married, it's like they wanted to recreate Jerry because that was home. That's where I felt comfortable. That was normal to me. And that was up here. That was mental, see. And that's when I began to come to understand it's possible to be delivered but you'll never have dominion. Dominion is where you rule in your personality. God helps you rule in the arena of life decisions, how you react, respond, the words you speak, your behavior, all of those things. That's dominion. And the problem is, is you can be delivered, but mentally you still live in Egypt. I've got people in my church been delivered out of Egypt, but when it comes to money, they still live as slaves. Wow, yeah. And so God delivered Israel out of Egypt by the blood on the doorpost. He brought them out, the Bible says, by the power of his hand. He parted the Red Sea. Deliverance is what God does. But in the wilderness, they didn't have dominion. They didn't think properly. Every crisis, every difficulty, every inconvenience, it was murmur, complain, and kill Moses. And they get to the door of inheritance. And what did they say? Wall cities, giants, we be like grasshoppers. Well, that's uh, Egypt mentality. Yes, yeah. And they couldn't go in. The Bible says, let this mind, which is in Christ Jesus, be also in you. Right. And that that's a whole different thing than just praying a prayer and being delivered. Right, right. That was one of the most biggest misconceptions for me guys, when I first initially got saved. I got saved over 16 years ago before I went to prison. I did over 10 years in prison as a Christian. So, But that was one of the biggest misconceptions. I thought when I got saved that, you know, <laughs> it was all good. Yeah. Because, man, once you get saved, like, you're on fire. Yeah. And you start reading the word, you start consuming the word, and you feel like you're unstoppable, man. Like, yeah. there's there was there was uh, gangsters in there tatted up all in their face. I'm trying to hug these guys. Hey, Jesus loves you. And they're thinking I'm the most craziest dude in there. But they're letting me roll out. But over a course of time, you know, uh, uh, let a few months pass down, and I'm and now I'm struggling with 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 sin again. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, man, I thought I was saved. I thought I was, yeah. you know, the Bible says that sin no longer has dominion over me, but hey, I'm struggling pretty hardcore. What about 19 different kinds of sin all over again? And I was thinking to myself, I can't be saved. This, yeah. this, I, I must've made a mistake. And, uh, by the grace of God, you know, there was, there's promises in the Bible that tells us 
you know, that, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. So I put my trust in these scriptures, but I struggled for years and I, I didn't understand the concept of sanctification yet. So I thought once you gave your life to Jesus, you were delivered. Let's go. But that wasn't the case. Yeah, it um, that's what triggered the book and the foundational scripture, Corinthians, uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, arguments, or high things that exalt themselves against what? The knowledge of God. Then this word, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. That's dominion. See, that's dominion right there. That's a whole nother, nother realm. It's when you're thinking now, is ruled and submitted to Christ and the Word of God. And this is how you're going to mentally process and work your way through the various issues of life. I mean, you live long enough. You're not going to escape crisis, pain, Mm -hmm. conflict, failures, Mm -hmm. setbacks, as well as as blessing, success, all of these have to be processed correctly. I mean, here's Joseph as a, is a great example of this. Uh, he's a young kid, 17, probably years old. He's the father's favorite. He has a coat of many colors. He's never going to go to Egypt. No way. I mean, this is good. But his brothers sell him as a slave, threaten to kill him, he gets there. He's in Potiphar's house. Mm-hmm. Things are good. Everything under Potiphar's hand begin to be blessed. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. He flees. She accuses him. He's in prison. Years are rolling by. How are you processing all of this? This is, I mean, he, he, I don't know if he was innocent or not when you went to prison, but he was, he was innocent. Well, I was not. <laughs> yes. I, was, I was guilty. Yeah. That's most people. But, uh, at the end of the day, he makes these incredible statements. Mm-hmm. You know, he's now prime minister. He's interpreted the dream. Uh, there's He has revelation. There's a famine coming. Mm-hmm. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. So uh, the king of Egypt gives him authority. So in the seven years of plenty, he stores up. Uh, and then the famine hits. Well, now this same family, the Jews... They hear that there's grain in Egypt where where they're living is total famine. It's death. So they go to Joseph. Now, here are the very brothers that sold you as a slave. What if he hadn't have had mental dominion? I mean, right here, off with their head. Yes. Yep. A payback, baby. Yeah. And, and But what did he say? He looked at his brothers, and once they recognize him, they're terrified. Yeah. But they he says, yeah, he says these incredible words. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, that I might be able to save many people alive. Yeah. See, if he hadn't have processed Potiphar's house, prison, all of the, if he hadn't mentally processed correctly, he would have never been in the position that God appointed him to, to save a race of people. 
So, Mark, do you have anything on that, bro? Um, yeah, just especially on the sermon you spoke this morning. Um, I didn't get to hear all of it because I was kind of busy, you know, being in ministry. But the parts I did hear were very powerful, especially what you said about the curse being the loudest voice in the room, you know. And so I guess how would someone, of course, you know, through Jesus, but how would someone help grasp dominion over a curse? Yeah, a curse um, can be generational, mm. a family. Uh, there's cultures that carry curses. There's cities that this is a prominent voice. And sometimes you inherit this not knowing. Just like you grow up in a family where everybody's angry all the time or everybody's screaming or it could be any, have many faces. You inherit this. And the difficulty again is it's normal to you. And so unless God by the Holy Spirit or by the preaching exposes this, you can carry it. You can be saved, and yet you're carrying this in the kingdom. That's what you saw this morning, all these people weeping at the altar and various things. And so what happens is is somewhere God's Holy Spirit or you're reading the Word or someone's teaching or preaching or talking to you and the Spirit of God will put a spotlight on it that this is this is a flaw. This is a character flaw. This is an area of your personality where the demonic has access, has influence. And, and a lot of times that influence will manifest at critical times. Times that uh, are are very, very, very influential on your future, your marriage, your children, a job, a call of God. <clears throat> and so somewhere you have to face it. Right. And that's difficult. We'd rather run, as I mentioned this morning, we run on our strength and ignore our weakness. We run on our talents, our gifting, our personality, our abilities. But this area, we don't want to address this. Mm -hmm. One, because it may be too painful. It has painful roots. Something happened to you. Something you were abused, violated, lied to, betrayed, whatever. A father left the home. Mm -hmm. You're a seven-year-old boy or a girl. And so because of the pain, we don't want to address it. Or we've tried to deal with it. And it didn't respond well. It, it takes So what you have to do is you, one, truth sets you free. Known truth. Probably the greatest step to deliverance is simply taking responsibility for this area of your life, not blaming, not finding fault, not making excuses. My past, I mean, the list goes on. But God, this is me. And this is not right. And I'm asking you to help me confront it. Sometimes it may be prayer, fasting, reading the Word of God. Sometimes people praying for you, you praying. But it's you confront it and expose it. I said years ago, a demon exposed is a demon defeated. Yes. Amen. They love darkness. Bible over and over, they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And you know, this goes on and on. That was always a big thing for me too. Um, 
like actually al allowing God to minister the truth to these areas that you don't want exposed. <laughs> and that's one of the hard things, even for your own personal walk with God, because God can be clearly showing you the truth about mm -hmm. something that you're hiding or that you're just, it's messing with you and you ain't got no peace. And God's like, this is the, this is it right here. And, and we, we could easily manipulate ourselves into thinking that, nah, nah. And you, and you go about your business and, that was one of the biggest things for me when I, when, when not just when I came to the, even before how the Holy spirit began to show me things and the Holy spirit uh, began to tell me, look, if you're not going to be honest with yourself, when I tell you the truth, then you can never walk in anything that I've called you to walk in because you're not real. You can't give anything that you don't have. So why put on the show? You know, you're messed up. Let me fix you. You know, you have to work with me. You you, you got to give it, give, give yourself over to, to, to my work. So that way I can heal you and make you a better man of God. So that was one of the biggest. So how do you go about ministering that to someone that doesn't want to see it for what it is? That's difficult. We, we, um, I'm amazed how obsessed and committed we can be to defending something that hasn't worked mm -hmm. like a, a pattern of decisions mm -hmm. or uh, a flaw, character flaw, jealousy, envy, pride, lying, anger, bitterness. I mean, the list goes on and on. <clears throat> but we become many times a genius and obsessed with defending that. Yes. And that it takes God. It's hard to deal with people. One of the most difficult things in life is to try to bring some kind of clarity or correction to an area that someone has spent years covering, mm -hmm. excusing, and defending. That's that's where God, when God moved, that's revival. Right. That's where you read revivals of history where God came down. People just start confessing stuff. That they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even confess to themselves, right? Yeah. But it takes it takes work of the Holy Spirit, and love, uh, uh, grace. Uh, when people sometimes know and feel that you care for them, they will allow you to deal with things. It's kind of like the testimonies that. Uh, you know, Pastor Mitchell was giving and you were giving about, you know, Pastor Martinez, you know, Mr. Martinez and, you know, behind the scenes, you know, he's just this genuine man that reaches out to folks and, and lets them know, hey, man, hey, man, I love you, man. You need you need something. Let, let, let's go to prayer. You know, yeah. let's spend some time. And those things make a tremendous impact in people. You know, I know that, you know, Pastor Rosario put in the time, you know, into me and my wife and, and my kids and yeah, uh, those things are are uh, uh, life uh, lasting uh, uh, situations and instances and memories that exist within me. That kind of it, it it allowed me to flourish in areas where I never even thought that I would flourish in ever. Uh, so you know, Pastor uh, Greg Mitchell said, "Man, sometimes we get in the mode of we can fix it, or we can fix this, or fix that." Yep. But it takes God. It's it's a miracle. Yep. You need a miracle to happen, and the only one that can make the miracle happen is the power of the Holy Ghost, you know, either yeah. through the preaching of the word or however he feels like he needs to do it, he'll do it. But it literally takes a miracle. It spoke volumes to me when he said that because 
uh, even in even in the home, I have kids, and sometimes you know, and Pastor knows. Like uh, I, I I tried to I tried to fix things on my own. Like no 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 this this and this. But there's some things even in the home that you have to allow God to work on on your kids Himself. Because once you go to doing too much, you you start to you start to hurt folks. You yeah. know you start to hurt folks a little too much. And That's true. You know the Holy Spirit is gentle. He knows how to do it the right way, and He's very patient. Um, and uh, you know just learning from the Holy Spirit is is such an amazing privilege in itself. You know, uh, how he deals with us is the way that we should deal with, with others, you know. And um, so that being said, I wanted to ask you, can you tell us a little bit about um, what it was like serving God in the 70s? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I got saved in the move of God, uh, the Jesus people movement. Uh, I got saved, like I said, in February of 71. And um, I got saved in Assembly of God Church. My wife, Connie, had gotten saved. And I'm seeing a change in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm still partying like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I'm ashamed to admit it, some of this stuff. But uh, I remember I heard her speaking in tongues. She got filled with the Holy Spirit. I had no clue what this was. And I asked her, and she told me, well, I still didn't have a clue, but I don't know if I was trying to sound religious or what, but I said, well, don't be doing it around the kids. And uh, I went to church with her a couple of times, but I looked at these people, and I thought, I can never do that. I felt so uncomfortable. In a club somewhere, I felt fine. Right. But in there, I'm looking at these people. And I'm thinking, ish, I, I could never. I mean, they're lifting their hands. They're singing. They're so nice. It's kind of like you said. It almost seemed fake. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, But what happened, I had a friend of mine, and I could even name him to this day. He and his wife were going to come over and eat dinner. No cell phone in those days. I'm not even sure we even had a telephone. Wow. But um, they didn't show up. My wife's prepared this. So I'm ticked. <laughs> And so she says, well, honey, there's a revival. Let's go to church tonight. I said, okay, let's go. I'm, right. a- I'm angry. Right. I said, they'll come. There won't be nobody here. Let's go. Right. So we went, and that night, there might have, wasn't that many people there, but that night I responded to an altar call, prayed a prayer a child could pray. And, uh, I mean, I just prayed a simple, and, and I was something happened. Powerful, mm-hmm. powerful. I went home, poured out Jack Daniels Black Label. Come on, begin to get rid of roach clips, all kind of. I mean, nobody. I never heard a sermon really. Right. I'm breaking albums. I'm throwing out everything, and uh, wasn't very long. I sold my bike. Uh, I'm I'm on a street. You've probably heard this story. I'm on a street corner. It's springtime now. A couple months down the road, March, April, something May. And they're all going to party. And they're pulling on me to go in. I've been witnessing to them. But uh, I said, well, I, I can't go. I'm, uh, I'm not going to party. He said, you don't have to drink. Just ride with us. Right. And I said, no, I'm going to sell my bike. Hmm. And I'm thinking, why did you say that? <laughs> I didn't, I mean, what are you doing saying that? But something in the spirit realm broke. Because they turned and all of them begin, boom, boom, begin to ride away. 
And I turned, and there was a gambler friend of mine that had gotten saved. And he was standing there with me. We started to walk, and the Spirit of God come down on me. When I got saved, there was no tears or nothing, but tears began to flow down my face. And God whispered to me, Son, if you'll be faithful, I will cause you to preach in the nations. Come on. Wow. And I went and told my pastor, and I could tell he is all he could do but laugh. And if you'd have saw me then, you'd have laughed. I mean, it's so ridiculous. But that's God, see. That's God. When we surrender to God, God, there's no limit to where God can take you and what he can do. I don't care. Your back. My history was horrible. I was not a candidate in the natural. But here I am today, preached from Russia to Africa to India I mean, on and on, China, across Latin America, many, I mean, just on and on, and, and was a missionary to Malaysia, Muslim nation, me and my family. So uh, that's just a little nutshell in the beginning of how I got saved and, and God began to order my steps. I've seen uh, videos from uh, Pastor Rosario that he's shown us during Men's D, how you know, there's pictures of you smashing idols on, on the uh, you know the pulpit and things like that. Like, man, those uh, those types of uh, those types of testimonies and those types of moves of God. If those things don't inspire men to go further for the gospel, I don't know what will. Uh, those are like the Book of Acts type of things. You know what I mean? Yep. But only in the present age, it's truly monumental to see those things with my very eyes. And something inside of me says. I want to do that. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I, God, I want to do that. One day, I just want to step out and say, you know what? Uh, I, I, I'm done. I'm ready to say, okay, God, let's let's do this. Whatever it is that you want to do, let's do it. You know, and it's scary. You know, just thinking about it because there's always that fear of failure. You know, but uh, at the same time, I've uh, I've always exercised this this. Um, I guess this default that says, you know what, Lord, I would rather step out and fall on my face than not step out at all and feel even worse. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather just say, well, at least I stepped out in faith and I gave it my best. I gave it my best. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But usually it doesn't, it doesn't play out that way. If you have a willing heart to go out and preach the gospel, and if you have a heart for people, God will begin to move in your, in your, in your, in your midst. And you can you can begin to see how God can use anyone to do great and extraordinary things, and uh, this this whole fellowship is a testament to that whole that whole ideology, that whole truth, that whole you know. And I'm a, and I'm grateful for it. So we're running out of time. So I'm gonna just go ahead and just say thank you very much, Pastor, for coming on and and sharing with us uh, your wisdom. Uh, you know, blessing us with with coming in your presence here and and, and just instilling in us these these things that you know god has given you your experiences and things and uh just know that i'm uh, i'm truly grateful brother mark man um i'm pretty sure you are as well oh yes sir thank you very much um just every every little bit you gave was very insightful honestly so thank you sir thank you. so the last thing if you had one word to tell the audience uh anything at all something that you would feel like you wanted a large group of people to know even now what would it be that's a good question. There's so many things we need to know, but probably uh, 
is you will never, ever regret in eternity every sacrifice you made for God, every painful experience you suffered here in the name of Christ, every time you said no to sin and yes to God, every time you stood for Jesus, people mocked you, maybe walked away from you. Listen, in eternity, eternity, you will be forever, ever grateful. There is nothing, I've lived for God 50 years now, and through all of the the valleys, the mountaintops, the different chapters, the seasons, at the end of the day, there is nothing in all of life like living for God, not just here, but through the door of death into eternity. I encourage you, live for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor Joe Campbell, God bless you, sir. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Uh, Pastor Rosario, behind the scenes, thank you as well. Um, I'm I'm truly grateful. I pray that everyone got blessed. I pray that uh, everybody's excited and ready for the international night. I'm excited to see uh, who's uh, who's stepping out, man. Who's who's the next one to be used by God? In the name of Jesus, man. You guys stay blessed, and until next time, you guys stay alive, stay standing, keep the fire burning. <laughs>